2: comes the relief from the pain, unapologetically, this is Lock and Load with Bill Frady. Hour number
3: three, this is Lock and Load, joining me now from Gun Owners of America is... Stephen williford the barefoot defender how are you doing today sir i'm doing superb how are you sir i'm well you know i've been having a lot of technical issues steven's been sitting here laughing at me as i try to get everything to reset and everything to come online and everything else so now we've, we finally got that done and recently a federal judge got out there and said you know back in the days there's there's no historical analog to ban a gun in this place tell me about this so they figured out that, uh, of course, they, a postal worker himself apparently was arrested
4: for having a gun in a post office. And he said uh that it was his constitutional right to do so. And now it's worked through the court, and that has been dismissed. And a federal judge said, you know what? You are right. There is no historical analog saying that you cannot carry within a post office. Uh, and there are some historical analog saying that, you know, things like polling places and uh, courtrooms. There is historical analog banning people from carrying uh, in polling places and courthouses. And that probably should be also. But uh, to abandon within post offices is ridiculous. You know, this is our Second Amendment right, and the federal judge saw it that way also, which will also probably open up a whole can of worms on other uh federally owned uh properties like post offices. And so this may have far-reaching results and allow people to to carry in other places that the sensitive places is what they call them and, and saying that federal buildings aren't sensitive places and, and that's great. So I don't know, I'm sure you have some listeners like myself that have a permit and I, I carry daily. People say, are you carrying today? And I say, I got pants on, Absolutely. so i probably carry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I've got my pants on, I'm probably carrying a gun because I put my, my gun in my pants when I put my pants on. And so, um, you know, if you can imagine me going out to grocery shop, for instance, pick up my mail because I live out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> And I don't have a, a mailbox out there on the street like everybody else does. Right. Instead, I have to pick all my mail up at a post office box. And so if you can imagine me going into town to do my grocery shopping and I decide, you know, today's mail should be in. Let me stop at the post office. And now I've got to pull my pistol off and leave it in my car while I go into a post office to get my mail. This is this is a great thing for me. Now I no longer have to do that, and it, it's ridiculous that I should have ever had to, you know. And I'm not going to encourage anybody to break any laws, but uh, there's been times where I just decided not to leave my pistol in my car, and I just went in. They don't know I have it
3: anyway. I went in and grabbed my mail. Concealed means concealed. Yeah. Um. What I always what look. they don't know Doesn't hurt them. That's right. Um, I look at having to leave the gun in the car is sort of risky. That see, leaving the gun in the car is is that is way
4: more dangerous than anybody. You know, if somebody knows that I carry and knows that I pull that pistol off and I leave it in my car when I go into the post office, then that makes my car a target. Right. You know. So and people don't want me getting my gun stolen by a criminal and go out and be used for nefarious purposes. And yet they want me to leave my gun in the car when I go into the post office. Uh, How ridiculous is that? This is just another step to do away with gun free zones. People don't understand do away with gun free zones. is going to make everybody
3: safer. Yeah. Well, a bunch of them, don't know. I mean, John Lott just came out with some stuff about this, and 82% of the uh, rampage killings nowadays happen in a gun-free zone. If you go back to 1950, it was 94%. Um, gun-free zones are very dangerous. It's it, it lulls you into this false sense of security if you're not one of these really aware people.
4: Well, and um, the thing is, is, is gun-free zones... Guns- you know, we had Ted Nugent come and speak to the Texas cap, uh, Capitol one time, and he said, when I walk into a gun-free zone, it ceases to be a gun-free zone. There's at least one gun there when I'm there.
3: Do the math. Figure it out. Figure right. where that gun right. is. Yep. Figure out where that gun is. Yep. I don't know. I, I went when so... I don't mind going into a police department and leaving the gun in the car, purely from the standpoint that I know there's guys with guns out there. Ditto a court, you know, one of the one of the courts. Um, but I don't like leaving the gun in the car at all. I, I do not like. No, I never no. have liked that. It's it's to me, I find that to be very precipitous. It almost It'd almost be, be an worth animal. it to uh, for if they had some place where I could check it in or something. Yeah. Yeah. It, that
4: would that would be much preferred rather than leave it out in a car for some criminal to
3: be able to get their hands yeah. on. Uh, I, my, I, I we could do that as a business, Stephen. We could start our own thing.
4: Yeah, yeah. Just put a little booth out there in front of the uh,
3: and say, "Leave your guns here." stay <laughs> Give them a little. Give them a, give them a little. Uh, give them a little ticket for their gun and. Uh, lock it in the box and uh, wait on them to come out. Yeah. Pay at the door.
4: So, so I guess there's a um for leaving guns outside of courtrooms and uh, and outside polling places. But other than that, there is no reason to do away with your Second Amendment. And we need to get rid of gun free zones. Uh, I also heard that uh, West Virginia just passed in the Senate, I think it was, where retired military and police could actually be hired to carry guns in the schools, not to be police officers, but in case something violent, they wouldn't have arrest uh, right to arrest someone. Right but that they would just be protecting the schools, and I'm all for that. Let a school hire hire a a veteran, police officer, retired veteran or police officer that has served their country and their their communities well for a very long time and let them hire on to protect our kids. It's time that we not take guns out of schools but put guns, good guns, in school, people yeah. that would protect and ser- and take care of you know it, it's it's ridiculous. After the Parkland shooting happened, a federal ju- judge said that police do not have an obligation to protect you. Yep. Unless you're in custody. Oh. And my my problem is with that is if I kiss Junior on the forehead and go put him out there on that big yellow school bus, he's not in my custody anymore. He is in your custody. And if you can't take care of my children... With as much bigger as I would taking care of my children, then I don't want to put them on your, your big big yellow school bus and send them off because I am their protector
3: when they're home with me. Yeah. Wait, just Stephen? They're going to be. We have run out of time. <laughs> Stephen will be back. Gunowners.org. Go join them today. Thank you for joining me today, sir. We'll be right back.
2: At Staccato, we know there's no such thing as a fair fight. And we bring the unfair advantage that is the 2011 platform. Dominate. At Staccato, we know the most important gun you own is the one that you're carrying when you're facing that threat to life and freedom. When we want you to enter that objective confident that you are carrying the best gun in a gunfight. No compromise. No sacrifice. Staccato 2011.com. Stand ready to face down the darkness with 2011.
3: Welcome back this is lock and load. I'm going to give you a quote from Ludwig von Mises. Uh, "Marxist love of democratic institutions was a stratagem only, a pious fraud for the deception of the masses. Within a socialist community, there is no room left for freedom. And thus, the currency of the leftist is the guaranteed chaos. So recently you had uh, the New York governor, Kathy Hochul, with her bigoted sneer, crowing about reducing gun violence by making it even more difficult and onerous for a law abiding New Yorker to even get a gun in their hand, to acquire one, much less carry guns of any kind. And she institutes her raise the age law, right? This new law diverts gun-bearing violent criminals who are under age of 21 from regular criminal court to family court, putting them out of reach of local prosecutors. Thus, the youths who are illegally carrying guns criminally and even actively using them in the commission of violent felonies will never confront an angry prosecutor in a court of law to answer for their crimes. Instead, now they go to family court. And uh, where they get nothing more than a slap on the wrist and then they're sent home. And then to the surprise of no, no one, they promptly reoffend with guts. And this will happen over and over as long as they're under the age of 21. So in New York state, now youthful offenders can commit violent crimes using illegal guns with impunity. And simultaneously as this, Ever growing criminal element is thus empowered, the law abiding tax paying citizens are told sternly from the mouths of the heavily armed Democrat political hypocrites that they shouldn't own guns. Now, New York State early released 3,900 prison inmates, including many violent offenders from prison, ostensibly due to COVID 19. New Jersey released 5,300, supposedly for the same reason. And as anyone could have predicted, a large percentage of these convicts reoffended almost immediately so in order to manufacture guaranteed chaos democrat politicians don't want violent criminals locked up they want them out actively committing crimes because chaos that they cynically manufacture is always their convenient pretext for taking away our rights and liberties as american citizens then they sit back and very piously, uh, scold you for wanting to own or carry a gun for the personal protection that they refuse to provide. And they actively empower, promote, and apologize for violent criminals who do their w- dirty work for them. So they use, gov- you know, guaranteed chaos as a way to grow government. And Marxists who currently are, you know, parading around as Democrats are all alike and they're not good people. Leftist politics does not attract good people. Never has. And. uh, Have we forgotten the way both Stalin and Mao. Adhering to this identical leftist philosophy. And rationalization, rationalization. Murdered millions of their own people. So. From. Jaron Lanier, we get movements associated with Freud and Marx. Both claim foundations and rationality and scientific understanding of the world. Both perceive themselves to be at war with weird, manipulative fantasies of religions. And yet both invented their own fantasies that are just as weird. Let's segue a little bit from the uh, desk of Rob Morse. If you're out there and you're carrying a gun and you have to defend yourself with a gun, very likely... You're going to be involved in a very unique set of circumstances. Each violent attack always comes each with its own motivation, and sometimes in one case it's the robbery of personal jewelry. Another one time it was drug related, and uh, there's an ex-boyfriend who's hunting for the victim in her home. And domestic abuse is common enough, which is sad but it becomes particularly dangerous when the victim ends the relationship and so we come to pittsburgh pennsylvania single woman was home alone on a monday night she heard her ex-boyfriend at the back door of her apartment her doors and windows were locked she armed herself and shouted for him to go away the ex-boyfriend responded by kicking down first the back door and then kicking down the apartment front door as he was looking for the victim Now, the victim stayed inside her apartment and shot her attacker when he approached her inside. And the defender, as was proper, stopped shooting when her attacker ran away. She stayed inside her apartment and called 911 for help rather than chase her attacker down the street. She put her gun away, met the arriving officers with empty hands before she gave her preliminary statement to the officers. The attacker went to the hospital because he had a bullet wound in the abdomen. Uh, and he was arrested there. Well, it wounded all. He was also arrested for an outstanding warrant. Now here we have this young lady who did a whole lot of things correctly at about 1030 at night. And you got to wonder if she practiced this, if she thought about this, if she put any thought into this and maybe she practiced defending herself before her ex tried to break in. This is what training is all about, Right. Going through the motions, repetition, going through the things that you're going to do, this step, step one, two, three, A, B, C, that kind of thing. Now, this girl chose to own a gun for self-defense. She recognized that her ex-boyfriend put an increased risk of a violent attack. She recognized she would lose this. This You know, this is not like it is in the movies where the fantasy is a 120-pound girl can take on a 300-pound guy and win. Um. She kept her doors and windows locked, and that forced her boyfriend to break into her home to get to her, which is an indicator that he was deadly serious. And the area where this happened is full of small homes and duplexes, if you look at the Google, Google Street View, and that means there were probably a number of eye, ear witnesses who heard the attacker breaking down the doors. Some of the neighbors might have heard the victim shout for the attacker to stop and go away. And even after the attacker broke through the back door, the defender stayed put. Smart. That was smart. Her ex then broke through the defender's front door as he searched for her. And the defender then shot her attacker rather than let him get close to her. She also stayed inside her apartment as her ex left. This is why you don't use a scream of sticks or knives or any of these other things, because you don't want to get close. She could not afford it. That's a luxury she couldn't afford. So there's a lot of things you can do to be safer, but they're seldom covered in the news reports. Motion activated lights, motion activated security cameras. You can try to get a restraining order, but all that does is create a paper trail and, you know, and it's not going to stop an assault, but it, it does establish you as the aggressor. And in most cases, the judge's order requires the attacker be jailed if he's found near the victim. So if there's a way to lock yourself into a good room, a safe room, do it. Have a panic button. Doorways and staircases are always easy to defend. Crouching behind your bed makes it very hard for an attacker to get to you. Creating a plan and practicing it results in habits, good habits. You've gone through the motions before so they're familiar in the middle of the night when time is short and the adrenaline is dumping. Facing an attacker is going to be hard enough. You should try to have every possible advantage on your side if you're going to have to face that attacker. Very simple thing really. Very simple thing. Prepared minds or excuse me, chance favors the prepared mind. I stole that from a Steven Seagal movie. We'll be right back. This is lock and load.
6: USA News Update. More than 105 million Americans being affected by dangerously low wind chills with an arctic blast sweeping across the United States. The National Weather Service still has wind chill advisories or warnings for today in effect for 26 states. Senator Ted Cruz has faith in the system of democracy and he believes the people of Iowa have spoken loud and clear by making former President Donald Trump the winner of the Iowa caucuses. It might cost you less if you overdraw your bank account under a proposal announced by the White House today, the latest effort by the Biden administration to combat fees. It wants to lower them to as little as $3, taking the pressure off the American consumer. Corey Myers, USA News.
7: this
3: is lock and load if you go to the gun violence archive you're going to see that 2023 produced fewer homicides suicides and gun related injuries than in 2022 and that is all indicative of the expansion of permitless carry laws allowing more people to carry firearms for personal protection it did not result in more bloodshed as the anti-gunners predicted which it's always been the case Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms noted the GVA data traditionally drives the narrative from the gun prohibition lobby and its allies in the establishment media. And it's typically typically the first resource, if not the only source quoted in news reports when it's related to violent crime. So this is somewhat of a conundrum for them. <laughs> Alan Gottlieb got out there and said this has been odd. There's been an odd silence from the anti-gunners who are drowning us with chicken little predictions of mass mayhem. Now that we've got more states with permitless carry, but the data from their favorite source doesn't support those claims. According to the GVA data... 2023 produced fewer homicides, 18,906, than in 2022, 20,396. Fewer suicides, 24,090, than the year before, 27,038. The overall numbers reflect the reductions. 42,996 people died as a result of so-called gun violence in 2023, down from the 47,434 victims listed by the GVA for 2022. And lo and behold, Mr. Gottlieb observed the numbers do not support the narrative. And you can bet if they did, the gun ban crowd would be crowing, but instead it appears they may be eating crow. And just last week, a study by the Ohio Attorney General's Office shows how gun-related crime actually declined in six cities during the year following enactment of a permitless carry law in the Buckeye State. Gottlieb said tens of millions of honest citizens exercising their constitutional right to keep and bear arms have not been running amok, whether they live in permitless carry states or where a carrier license is still required. If the data shows us anything at all, it proves or anti-gunners have been wrong about license concealed carry and constitutional carry. Maybe we should ask what else they are wrong about. Now, let's go to... Uh, out of, let's go back let's go to burlington vermont where uh we had a guy right we had a guy get out there and there were three arab muslim students who were shot and w- wounded in burlington vermont and the media immediately hyped it as an islamophobic crime of the century and rest assured the availability of guns was a bad thing in this but of course now Biden issued a statement declaring that there is absolutely no place for violence or hate in America. Scamala Harris bemoaned that far too many people live with the fear they can be targeted and attacked based on their beliefs or who they are. The three Muslim men identified as Palestinian. Two of them were wearing kiffias and Kamala, like many other leftists, was implying the shooter was anti-Palestinian. Bernie Sanders said, the idea that three young men walking down the street get shot, perhaps because of no other reason than they are Palestinian, is unspeakable. But I got to tell you, this is not just a local phenomenon. This is happening all over the country. And then he blasted Israel, which is really interesting because he's Jewish. He said, I'm heartbroken by yesterday's senseless shooting of three Palestinian American students visiting Burlington. We do not tolerate hate or Islamophobia in Vermont. Sarah George, the local state's attorney, claimed without evidence. I do want to be clear. There is no question this was a hateful act. Burlington Police Chief John Margot argued, "If this, in this charged moment, no one can look at this incident and not suspect that it may have been a hate-motivated crime. Anti-Israel groups convened a rally calling for the destruction of Israel. Vermont Lieutenant Governor David Zuckerman told the hateful mob, I stand here to stand with oppressed people who now fear for their lives just walking down the street here in Burlington. A speaker at the hate rally with the anti-Semitic University of Vermont affiliate of Students for Justice called it a crime of unspeakable racist hatred, a crime born out of white supremacy, out of fascist genocidal, genocidal malice, a crime born out of Zionism. And all of that, every single syllable of this was based on a lie. The American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee falsely claimed that a man shouted and harassed the victims, then proceeded to shoot them. And we have reason to believe the shooting occurred because the victims are Arab. In reality, they've been shot by a local resident outside his house who did not say a word. Three Muslim men were returning home from a party on Saturday night when James J. Eaton, a local resident with a history of mental instability, stumbled out of a white clappered house in the residential street and without a word fired four shots at the three men. Mr. Eaton had been described as that hippie guy and progressive and organic farmer who would posted a meme with the definition of America with a K. They called it the worst sense of the United States, i.e. imperialism, corruption, and the global exportation of American culture. He appeared to be a Biden supporter. Media outlets, anti-Israel activists, and politicians attributed to the shootings to the Hamas war. Everyone from Biden and Camelon down emphasized the Palestinian identities of those shot and implied that Eaton had attacked them because he was opposed to the Palestinian cause. But that was not reality either. In reality, he supported Hamas. <laughs> it gets deeper. It gets deeper. And uh Responding to an article about a proposed ceasefire, he wrote, what if someone occupied your country, wouldn't you fight them? Local politicians were aware of this, which is why in December, a Burlington City Council resolution from Councilman Ali Dang, an African Muslim immigrant currently running for mayor, tried to tie the shootings to an attack on Israel failed. So did a resolution pushing the false claim the students had been targeted because of their identity. The, uh, this hoax fell apart in vermont the truth came out and nothing you know now now it's moved on the latest uh but in the media outlets is still lingering nationally the media outlets which rushed to spread this never retracted or modified them and after a month of pushing the lie the shootings were a response to israel's campaign campaign against hamas or to the muslim or palestinian identities of the three men The new information was not reported, acknowledged, or in any way addressed by politicians and media reporters. NBC News, which had run an entire live blog about the shootings pushing an anti-Israel and Islamophobia narrative, did not provide an update which would have contradicted their narrative. And even in December, they continued to run false articles. A December 5th article quoted one of the men shot as spreading anti-Israel propaganda and claiming that this is happening to Palestinians across the country and more importantly, in Gaza, we're mad at the system that's allowing not not three of us to be injured, but thousands and thousands and millions of us to be displaced and injured and killed. PBS likewise did, uh, you know, quoting an uncle of one of the men contending that even in this country, even in this town, many of the risks that exist for my nephew and his friends in Palestine exist for them here. So all of this vitriol was based on nothing. There was never a single shred of evidence that the men had been targeted. And the only basis for this claim that was ever cited was that two of them were wearing the keffiyeh and speaking English and, and Arabic when they were shot. And that was in that's circumstantial information was amplified with feverish claims and rushed statements by elected officials, prosecutors and police that weren't even there. Eaton as it turns out, was mentally unstable, left-leaning, opposed to America, and supportive of Islamic terrorists. He was neither Jewish nor pro israel He actually publicly stated his support for Hamas. He could not have known that these three guys were going to walk past this house where he was living, and it's implausible that he would have had time to plan this attack. So, most likely, Eaton, suffering from an episode, stumbled out and opened fire. And he shot four rounds at these guys, and it does. this is, is not a planned mass shooting. He might just have easily shot at anybody on the street or at nobody except the voices in his head. And yet, they ignore these truths about this to push it. We'll be right back. This is Lock
7: and Load.
3: This is lock and load. When Trevor Bickford was 19 years old on December 31st, 2022, he decided to go to Times Square. Because it was New Year's Eve. But he was not going for the New Year's Eve festivities. He went with a machete. And instead of reveling in the new year coming, he attacked three New York Police Department officers. And recently, he pled guilty to three charges of attempted murder. And while his motive is abundantly clear, they appear to be completely indifferent about what its implications are for the future. So the AP reported Thursday that Bickford, who came down to Times Square from his home in Wells, Maine, said this as he entered his guilty plea. On December 31st, 2022, I attempted to kill three NYPD officers with a knife while they were working in Manhattan. I know what I did was wrong, and I'm sorry. That's that's great. Uh, but it would have been more helpful if he explained why exactly he was sorry now for an act that he carried out in accord with his newfound beliefs and ideology. Bickford also shouted, Allahu Akbar, the Arabic phrase for God is great. Now, this all before he started striking them in the head with a machete, tried to get, grab an officer's gun. One officer suffered a fractured skull. And the explanation was inaccurate as well. Uh, Allah-u-Akbar, uh, as God is great, is actually it actually means Allah is greater. So the God of Islam is superior to anything that non-Muslims worship or hold dear. And this declaration of superiority frequently accompanies acts that are designed to enforce the subjugation and submission of the non-believer or infidel amounting to a kind of explanation of why a particular act of violence is being perpetrated, justifying it, right? It is unusually forthright for them to uh, mention the politically incorrect fact that Bickford shouted this at all. I mean, normally they wouldn't do that because that shows he was a terrorist and, uh, AP went even so far as to add that authorities say he had studied radical Islamic ideology and decided to wage jihad against U.S. officials. Like I said, while they're being unusually forthright about the motive, uh, Bickford himself may have been trying to obscure it. At the the, uh, the outside of the hearing, Bickford said he was taking three medications for treatment of schizoaffective disorder. In Europe. <laughs> in Europe, it is stre- extremely common for clear cases of jihad violence to be dismissed as mental illness. And the perpetrators are normally hospitalized rather than imprisoned. And that's because they haven't accepted the fact of what they're facing in Europe, just like we haven't here. But when Bickford was arrested, he had a handwritten note in his backpack asking his family to please repent to Allah and expect, uh, accept Islam. To his mother, he wrote, I fear greatly that you will not repent to Allah, and therefore I hold hope in my heart that a piece of you believes so that you might be taken out to the hellfire. To his brother, he likewise wrote, Please repent to Allah and accept Islam. I fear for you. To another brother in the Marines, he said, You have joined the ranks of my enemy, and for that I can give you no kind words. Return to Allah. As he pled guilty, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sarah Kushner said there is no doubt that he attacked the officers because they were military-aged men. He intended to kill as many as as possible of the men in uniform that he came across, and she, she added that he had originally intended to go overseas and fight alongside terrorists there, but eventually decided to carry out an attack in the United States instead. You said he told investigators that he walked through Times Square before the attack, trying to figure out the right time to kill. The big question here that nobody's asking is, where did he learn this? Where did he get all of this information? Where did his, where did his uh, value set get changed? Why did he turn against his family? Was it at a mosque? Was it from Muslims in his area? authorities should be studying this but they're almost certainly ignoring this like the questions of how and where this young man converted to islam how he got the idea that his new religion which non-muslim authorities all over the world is assure us is completely peaceful and tolerant commanded him to consider the non-muslims enemies and violently attack them now first of all the religion of love is not These questions were never asked, much less answered, despite the fact that converts to Islam turning to jihad violence is a distressingly common occurrence. American intelligence and law enforcement officials don't want to do anything to give the impression that they don't accept the dogma that Islam is a religion of peace and tolerance that has nothing to do whatsoever with terrorism. The fact that converts to Islam, such as Trevor Bickford, have somehow gotten exactly the opposite idea doesn't ever make them pause and reflect upon their core assumption. Of course, they're just ignoring that. Just ignoring that. And the reason this is allowed to do this is a very simple thing. Because they think they're in charge of everybody that lives there in New York, just like they do in California. California pioneered modern product liability law. And it has done some good. But it has also had unintended consequences as well. But now they've gone too far because they have an appellate, a court that has held that a manufacturer can be sued for not producing a product. This is Galid Sciences. They came out with a HIV drug. And uh, the plaintiffs argued that the drug, which uh, had some bone and kidney side effects, Galid did not go out there and uh, come up with a safer version. They don't dispute the fact that the drug is defective or that it came with any adequate warnings. And they say Ghalid delayed developing the new drug to maximize profits from his other HIV medication. Now, Galeed, at the time, did not know whether the new drug would be safer or more effective. So now a court has decided that these guys, because they they didn't know, they didn't come out with this new drug because they didn't know what it was going to do, They're being held liable for not producing it. For a product that their plaintiffs, you know, they never bought. The possibilities for the leftists are endless here. And we get this. The appellate court said its ruling doesn't create a duty to innovate or pursue ever better new products. But once a company starts tinkering with a new and potentially improved product, it could be legally obligated to bring it to market, no matter the commercial or technological barriers. This will create a disincentive to innovate. As Khalid noted in a statement, the court's decision will have widespread negative consequences across all fields of innovation and manufacturing. It also creates a catch-22 for businesses. If they rush to roll out new products, they could be sued for glitches. If they take too long, in some court's opinion, they could be sued for dawdling. See, we've been through this before. When we had the 1990s vintage assault weapon ban, remember that? That stopped all development and improvements on the M-16 platform. We had the M-16A2s, and uh, we had that for a while. Had that for a while. And nobody came out with nothing. Nobody was making anything because there was no market for it. It was mandated. The market was mandated by the assault weapon ban. So all that could be sold in the civilian market was this generic version of the ar-15 and you remember the features and everything about it it was all about keeping the features off no bayonet lugs no no flash uh, flash mu- no muzzle devices that kind of thing and so innovation stopped and so did development and because there was no market to go to when every time they have a competition like for the handgun A lot of guys come out with new handguns, and they do that because they know that the handgun will be sold to the civilian market as well, whether they win the contract or not. So uh, they're willing to do that because it's going to cover their R&D if they develop a decent weapon. That stopped with the AR-15, M-16 platform. And that almost became a national security issue because there was no movement at all, zero movement for 10 years. I mean, it it was getting bad. It was really getting bad. The three-shot burst, that's always been a stupid. I've never liked that. Oh, Bill, you know, ammunition conservation. Yeah, okay. How about just tell your people to do that? It's not like we're we're not fielding idiots out there in the military. Those guys know what to do. Crazy world. It's a crazy world we live in. I'll be back in about 21 hours. And between now and then, you should remember this because it is very important. It has never been about gun control, not once, not ever. It has been, and it's always going to be, about total control. This has been Lock and Load.
0: Extend
4: your life with extension.